Hello, everyone, and welcome in to CrushTheStreet.com. I'm joined today with Adam Meister of DisruptMeister.com, and we are going to be discussing Bitcoin, something that is absolutely hot right now. We've been covering it here a lot lately at Crush the Street, and he's going to break down some of the intricacies and kind of give us his story, too, as to you know, why he believes in Bitcoin and, you know, explaining it to a lot of people who are still very skeptical. Um, Adam, you are saying, I'm looking at your bio here, buy and hold and do not sell until at least July 1st, 2020. You got quite the story here. I I, want to start this conversation off with, uh, you know, what got you into Bitcoin and why are you so excited about it? Well, first off, Ken, thanks for having me on today, and thanks for having so many Bitcoin-related shows on lately. You are helping the world here, and there are so many finance guys out there who ignore Bitcoin, but you are doing a great job. What got me into Bitcoin was back in 2012 on all of these libertarian type of sites that I frequent, I started hearing about it, and I thought, well, this is this is pretty cool stuff. This is outside-the-box uh money and i'm i've always been into technology and stuff and i'm recently or starting around 2012 and 2011 i started not enjoying the government controlling every aspect of my life so i'm like oh money that's not controlled by the government that's technologically awesome i've I've got to find out more about this unfortunately i didn't purchase it in 2012 i didn't start buying until late 2013 when coinbase.com opened which made it very easy for americans to purchase bitcoin but um from then on when i started to purchase in 2013 and then it the price dropped i even got more interested in it because i i had the belief that it will return that you know this is you know we have our ups and our downs and if you think long term if you really believe in this and you can tell i'm passionately speaking about it from the from the start, I really believe this is the future. So when it was around two hundred dollars, I was buying, and I'm I'm happy with the amount of Bitcoin that I have. At the same time, now Bitcoin's around nine hundred dollars as we as we record today, and I still think it's cheap. I still think it, that it's there's a buying opportunity, and that. You, you have to be patient. You have to be a long-term thinker here. That You mentioned the year 2020 and July 1st, 2020. That is the next Bitcoin halving day. So I, I put that as a, a, a point in the future that people can look to and just hold on to their Bitcoin because it's hard for people to hold on to their Bitcoin. They get very tempted. They get very tempted to maybe panic and put it into Ponzi schemes and all sorts of things. People just have to stay focused on something. So I've set a date in the future, July 1st, 2020. Just everyone focus on that date. You'll be very happy when it occurs. Adam, you know, one of my recent guests called Bitcoin fiat money. And that's a big question right now. And, you know, I I sat back and I was thinking about it. Is Bitcoin really backed by something? And the knee-jerk reaction is to say, no, it isn't. But we're in a whole new age. I mean, that's like saying email isn't real mail. Uh, There's just a whole unprecedented, you know, direction. We are going with technology 
And, you know, I, I would like someone like yourself to be able to break this down, break that question down. Is Bitcoin fiat money? Well, I think you I think you hit the nail on the head. It's an entirely new paradigm here. It's a new way of looking at things. There is, the, you know, when, when they came up with the term fiat money, you know, thousands of years or whenever it was, that this was inconceivable what, what this, this is. So you can call it whatever you want to call it. But it, 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 it does things that money can't do. I mean, you can't build contracts with dollar bills or with South African rand. Um, it is backed by code. I mean, that, that's, that's the way I, I think of it. You, it it's, it's backed by technology. You don't need, it, there is no government saying this is money. It, it is the very definition of this new concept of money, I, I believe. It, mm-hmm. I mean, we're getting into philosophical type of nebulous thing talk here. I mean, we're, we're using an old term to define something that we don't have words to even properly define yet. Sure. Uh, Adam, explain to people then how a coin is created. Again, you know, there's still a lot of people who don't understand it. And to, to be honest, I'm not fully, I don't have a full grasp, at least where I want to be in terms of Bitcoin. And, you know, explain how a Bitcoin is created and that there is actual effort that goes in to make it worth something. Yeah, well, it's a bunch of big computers uh, spending a, a lot of elec- using a lot of electricity to solve mathematical formulas. Uh, it's called uh, proof of work, and that, that this proves that these Bitcoin exist. It is it is a concept that even I, I mean, I am not a technical guy. I don't I don't fully understand all of that either. But I un- I understand that smart people very much understand it, like Andreas Antonopoulos, Trace Mayer, um, these are people to look up, and they they can do a great job of explaining it to, to guys like us who are not technical geniuses or anything like that, but it's, it's a proof of work concept. It's using real electricity, it's using real computers, it's people compete, uh, different mining, they call it mining of the Bitcoin, compete miners competing against each other to get these rewards to earn more bitcoin in order to mine more bitcoin so again i am i can't give the greatest explanation in the world i'm sure you'll have guys say well well, this guy's not technically but hey there what i what i do i believe the people out there who are technical geniuses who are very impressed by all this i'm very impressed by all of it so there's there's my uh, layman's answer, I guess. Sure. No, and I appreciate that. I appreciate your honesty, too. And uh, it, it does say a lot when, you know, you do have credible people that are extremely smart saying, not just having a knee-jerk reaction that says, oh, Bitcoin and, you know, whatever, and write it off. Like, these are real credible people that have looked into this in detail and said, no, this is this is legit. And, uh, you know, and uh, on that vein, I want to ask you about the concern of hacking. You know, that's another area where people say, hey, you know, I don't know if Bitcoin can be hacked or the government shutting it down or the government shutting down the Internet and then crashing Bitcoin. What are, what are your thoughts on some of these areas where people or pundits will say, I, I don't like Bitcoin. I'd rather hold gold in my hand oh wow this is this is a great question because we're living in this time of uh the nebulous term hacking what what is hacking 
<laughs> Bitcoin itself cannot be hacked. I mean, this is genius code, incredible amounts of numbers. It's being attacked. People are attacking it every day and it, it gets stronger every day. Um, hack, when, when we hear the term hacking, though, exchanges where you buy and sell Bitcoin, that can, those can be hacked. So when they get hacked and they have been hacked, these are centralized because Bitcoin is decentralized. It's, 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 not, it's not one company controlling it. It's a bunch of computers all over the world, different miners, different people holding it, et cetera, et cetera. It, a, a, an exchange is one central location that has a bunch of Bitcoin. Of course, that can be hacked. So when that gets hacked, that puts out a bad name for Bitcoin. And the pundits out there who do not understand decentralization and blockchain and all this, they think Bitcoin has been hacked. So they just simply throw around the term Bitcoin has been hacked when some exchange has been hacked. Now, just don't keep your Bitcoin at an exchange. There's your answer right there. I'm a guy who believes in this, something called the Bitcoin Trezor, which is a storage device. And um, I actually... Uh, consult people and help them set out up their Bitcoin Trezor. You can actually email me at adam at trezorhelp.com if you want help with your Bitcoin Trezor. And um, I keep it, you have to know your private key. You have to know your private Bitcoin address to really control your Bitcoin. There's a public Bitcoin address and then there's a private Bitcoin address. And if you are not in control of that private address, if some exchange has that private address, someone can steal that private address. I mean, a hacker, a real, a real hacker can do that. So in terms of having Bitcoin in your hand as a, compared to gold, if you have your private key, if you have your private address stored on your storage device, on your offline Bitcoin uh, Trezor, for example, which I mentioned before, then yeah, it's sort of in your hand. You're holding this device that has your private key on it, which is just a long series of numbers. And it's just like holding gold. Now, of course, if you have, if Coinbase.com is holding your Bitcoin, well, then it's just like having your gold in a vault somewhere or your cash at the bank somewhere. Something could happen. You're not there. Someone could break into the gold vault. Someone could break into the bank. So I, and as for the internet going down, I mean, all these things you bring up, are things that pundits and the news media continually harp on and get and make people scared. And I'm here to tell people not to be scared. If the internet goes down, the internet will come back up again. If the internet does not come back up again, then the world is over, basically. We'll all starve to death and you'll have a, a lot of other things to worry about <laughs> besides, besides Bitcoin. So you, you think of it that way. At the same time, if you have your private key, you can give someone else your private key and, and then they're in control of your Bitcoin. So if the if the internet was down for a day, if you were in some developing nation and you encountered an emergency where you had to give someone Bitcoin suddenly, you could just hand them your, your private key and then they would be satisfied. Yeah, I mean, all interesting points. And, you know, again, just a further wrapping of, of my mind around the whole Bitcoin uh, understanding. Because again, this is so revolutionary. And I, a lot of people are wondering now that the government might be issuing its own digital currency. Do you believe and are you concerned that 
Bitcoin is just the first mover of what the government will will bring into the picture in terms of digital currencies? Well, th this is a great question. Great question. I would I I think it's great that the government if governments want to do something like that. If governments want to have their own blockchain that they centrally control. That that's it, it would be one entity controlling it. It would not be decentralized. It is like the intranet compared to the internet. It's it, it's like a private company's intranet. Back in the 90s, everyone thought the intranet, all these companies are going to create their own private internets, these intranets. They're going to be great. But they weren't great. People preferred to be on the internet where you could get anything instead of being on your company's intranet where they told you what to look at. So if everyone gets in the United States, for example, if they come up with uh, the dollar coin, let's say, and force everyone, you know, there, there are no more dollar bills in existence. Everyone has to use this, this blockchain of the United States government. Well, peop, some people will just follow blindly and the government will track every single financial transaction they have, which will be terrible for them. But other people will be like, this is, this is terrible. I'll just use Bitcoin now. It will get more people onto Bitcoin, I believe, if, com if, if countries try to create their own centralized blockchain currencies it will people will not want to be controlled and it will force them to look into the free market which is bitcoin which is decentralized so i encourage them i encourage countries to do so to to, to experiment because it also is good publicity for cryptocurrencies for bitcoin for the other cryptocurrencies that are out there it'll just increase the knowledge because right now the the cryptocurrency uh ecosystem it's very small not many people know about bitcoin in the world and, and most of the people have huge misconceptions about it so if governments get involved um it will only increase the marketing of bitcoin and, and another thing i wanted to point out when we're talking about governments getting involved they can't shut down bitcoin they can i'm sure they've they tried a long time ago and they see that it's a fool's game what i foresee happening here is that since Bitcoin is a store of value, since Bitcoin does have value, just as governments purchase gold, you know, the Chinese government purchases gold, there are going to be governments that start to purchase Bitcoin because they know their fiat currency is, is worthless and that it's just inflationary and they keep printing it and printing it. And Bitcoin is deflationary and they want to have some value. They want to have some value in the bank just in case everything goes wrong at, at, in their country. So I, I'm not, I would not be surprised. I would advise a country, a smaller country, to secretly start buying as much Bitcoin as possible and then announce that they've done it once they're comfortable with the amount of Bitcoin that they have. And then there will be a war to get Bitcoin, a, a, a theoretical war. All of a sudden, all the other countries, they'll hear that one country has Bitcoin. They'll be like, well, I better get this too. Mm. I better be on, in on this. And the price will skyrocket. I really think country... And this is something I got from a guy named Vinnie Lingham, who everyone should look up, is a great Bitcoin guy who is originally from South Africa, really smart, and he gave me that concept. So, Well, I wouldn't put it by any government to, to go in ahead and do that. Obviously, we know countries are buying gold. Why wouldn't they do that with Bitcoin once they are a believer? And I'm sure... Many are believers, even, you know, I, I know Trump's one of Trump's picks was a big Bitcoin advocate here. 
And, uh, and maybe that had something to do with some of the, the most recent price action. Although, you know, you might have more insight on that than I do. Um, Adam, there's 21 million Bitcoins that will ever be issued. Uh, give us the... Give us the understanding, though, of how much is actually lost, the private keys and, you know, that are just sitting on hard drives well, that, and landmines and, you know, and how much is out there in really and, you know, how significant it is that only 21 million coins will ever be issued. Yes. Well, only 21 will ever be million will ever be issued. There are right now 16 million have been issued, but it's, it's the issuance is slowing down considerably because that means there's only 5 million to be issued over the next 100 years or so. So it's going to there's every year there's every four years there's a halving. It, it's cut in half how much is is being produced and uh, and how much the miners are getting as, as a reward. And you mentioned about them being lost well at first remember a lot were being produced and there was only a bunch of geeks you know passing it around between each other so people would 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 be get bitcoin and they would just misplace their private keys it would be lost so we don't know how much bitcoin has been lost but estimates i mean 10 percent could be already lost who knows i mean it could be around a a million it could be around a hundred thousand i've heard all sorts of all sorts of different numbers. I it, it makes it more deflationary, actually, that, that some can never be used again. And it also makes some people, <laughs> some people, kind of bitter that they lost their Bitcoin of and course. didn't realize that, that this this is this was going this was going to happen. But it's also a lesson for everyone, you know, to keep keep track of your Bitcoin. You can definitely lose it. There's a lot of it that's lost out there that will never be used. And eventually someone is going to figure out really how much has it has it moved in the last, you know, 30 years, let's say. And I think it'll be a good estimate on how much is probably never going to never going to move. And the people will be able to figure out you know, that, that number and it'll give people a better idea of the deflationary nature of the coin and everything. But it, it is interesting that some will that people lost some. It's, it's unfortunate. Adam, you give some pretty exciting advice, and uh, this was something you told me before the the call here, and that was you tell people to own as much Bitcoin as they think they will need to become a millionaire. And I would presume that you are pretty bullish <laughs> to say the least on where Bitcoin is going. So if you wouldn't mind, please, Tell us how bullish you are on Bitcoin and, you know, your advice to people when owning it, even at these prices that are, you know, only been seen a couple times now in history. Yes, we are at a a new point here where we've been over $800 for many days since uh, December 20th. More days, I believe, than Bitcoin had ever been in over $800 for every single day before December 20th, 2016, since its existence. So we're in a new realm here, but, and that is very excited. I am very bullish on Bitcoin, as you say. I don't try to make insane predictions. Like, I don't I don't like to say in 2021, Bitcoin is gonna be worth a million dollars. There are all these people who will say things like that. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not like that. I'm a guy who's, who will be happy in, 
it, right right now, there's some people saying by the end of the year, Bitcoin will be between two thousand and three thousand dollars. I think that's awesome. I'll be I'll be happy if it's just a thousand dollars by then. It, what what I and what you what you referred to is people have to say think in their head. They really have to think long term on this. When do I want to be a millionaire? And let me make a conservative estimate on what Bitcoin can really be based on factors, based on what I just discussed before. It, what happens if governments start buying it? What happens if everyone in China all of a sudden owns it? Um, so for me, I th- multiple thousands of dollars in the next decade is great. You know, if it's in, t- in let's say, well, what year is it now? Okay, in 10 years, if it's $10,000 each, they're go- we're, everyone's gonna be in great shape that owns it now. Mm-hmm. I mean. That that's not unrealistic. I I just don't like to get people's hopes up. I just say like, hey, right now it's nine hundred dollars. If you think it's going to be a thousand dollars by the end of the year, which I I definitely do, you should be buying now because it's going to be worth more. Hmm. But 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 again, I I like to stress to people like, so you think it's going to be worth uh, ten thousand dollars by twenty twenty one? Then there's no point in you selling it now. There's no point at all because remember when you buy and sell through Coinbase, let's say, which is the way Americans are basically getting their their Bitcoin now, it, Coinbase is works with the government. Coinbase works is like a bank. They are going to report everything to the IRS and there's been some controversy now like, oh, how could they do that? Of course they're going to do it. They're regulated. So when you buy and sell Bitcoin, especially when you the government, you're going to have to report. If you sell, you have to report your profit. Why get yourself into that situation now? Why even start worrying about that stuff? So don't panic. Think long term. Think, you know, how you're going to become a millionaire because of this. And it will, you won't sell. It's very important not to sell now. Adam, and this is something that I've thought about. I mean, I'm, I'm very excited about Bitcoin, but there are the potential for an infinite amount of competitors to come onto the market is technically and theoretically there. So when Bitcoin does go to 10,000, 20 and 50, wouldn't that just open up the door for the demand to get diluted among all the other cryptocurrencies out there that are, you know, some say are, are even better. Some are, you know, the same or even better. There are some that people that, that do more things. But do people really want all of those things in their cryptocurrency? All of these things could be adopted by Bitcoin too. There's a guy out there, Tone Vays, who says that the altcoins, which are all the other cryptocurrencies that already exist, there are like 700 others out there, that they're test nets for, for Bitcoin. Bitcoin dominates so much now. Of all the cryptocurrency out there, 86% of it is Bitcoin. And then the other 14% is 700 other cryptocurrencies. Hmm. So of, of this is a free market. Of course, people are can create anything they want to, but now all the good, the greatest developers are behind Bitcoin. They That's what they're into right now. And the most focus by the financial world is on Bitcoin. You know, Ethereum came out and there are, and a lot of corporate people got behind it. That again, Ethereum is another cryptocurrency. And then they had a hard fork where Ethereum split into two different Ethereums. And again, this is a lesson for Bitcoin to learn to avoid a hard fork. Uh, And I'm not going to get into the technical details of what a hard fork is, 
but it, it was a lesson. It was a test net. And now Ethereum is not, its price is not what it once was before. Um, and if everyone wants to be the next Bitcoin, everyone wants to start a cryptocurrency that starts out as one cent and then is worth a thousand times more, 10,000 times more. So people who are creating some of these cryptocurrencies just want that. They're pumping dumpers. So, so you have that, you have that suspicion of anything that's new. Um, but I, I, again, I, I, I'm such a firm believer in this mass adoption that we've already have of Bitcoin that, that it, of, of the people in the cryptocurrency space. Uh, the only the only thing I could foresee is if something went horribly wrong with Bitcoin, then then well actually if something went horribly wrong with Bitcoin, it might just bring down all, all cryptocurrency. I don't know if another crypto, cryptocurrency would step up at that point. Hmm. But uh, again, the the way Bitcoin does things might be not be the super technologically awesomeness of another new cryptocurrency up there, but it is the way it is. There is, it is 86% of the market now. People are, I don't want to use the word stuck in it, but that is, that is the way right now. And I don't foresee it being overtaken by anyone. Um, and, People can judge for themselves, though. They can see the other cryptocurrency communities that are out there. And, and look up Litecoin and Dash and Monero. They all have interesting aspects. There's anonymous aspects of these coins. So, so look them up and you know decide for yourself, I guess. Sure, sure. Adam, so you've spent a lot of time in some different countries. And you've had Bitcoin experiences in these different countries. Obviously, my experiences here in the U.S., where we have relative stability, and I, I use that word in uh, quotes, but uh, with our money, but some other countries haven't been as fortunate. And I, I'm curious, what, what has your experience been in other countries in regards to Bitcoin? Well, I uh, pulled a Doug Casey. Everyone knows Doug Casey says that young people should go to Africa. And he specifically mentioned Zimbabwe. I went to Zimbabwe. And um, I actually... I wanted to go to that part of the world because of Doug Casey for a while. And I encountered someone on the internet who knew about me and my Bitcoin channel. And he invited me to speak at his uh, Bitcoin conference in Zimbabwe. So I was like, better com combine everything now. So I, I ended up down there in Southern Africa, in Zimbabwe, in Mozambique, in South Africa and Namibia. And I got to see the cryptocurrency ecosystems down there. And obviously in Zimbabwe, I saw the bank lines firsthand and how broken the people are and it financially and how they will stand in line for $50 all day. And if they don't get their $50 from the, the cash machine, then they just sleep there and wait till the next day. And they all have blank looks on their faces. Wow. It's, it's pretty amazing stuff. And these people desire, they don't want to be in this system anymore. And so at the cryptocurrency, but they don't know the way out. They just don't know the way out. They need people, Bitcoin evangelists coming to their country, spreading the word. So I did that. And at, their, at the Bitcoin conference in uh, Harare, in Zimbabwe, in November, there were a lot of excited people about it, but they didn't have some basic knowledge of it. Um, a lot of people in Africa, only, the only way they've heard about Bitcoin is through the MMM uh, Ponzi scheme, which sort of involved Bitcoin. So there's a lot of clarification that needs to be done in, in these countries so people feel comfortable with Bitcoin, so they don't think it's part of some, some scam. But there's incredible potential in countries like Zimbabwe where they cannot 
send their money outside of the country. It's just the banking system does not allow it. So this, there is one Bitcoin exchange in Zimbabwe, and they sell their Bitcoin for quite a premium. Like it's like over a thousand dollars there now, I think, because people will pay a lot for it because they really need it to get their money out of the country. So the potential is huge. Um, I, I repeat what Doug Casey says. If you're an American, go to these countries. And I will add on to this. If you are in a Bitcoin Westerner, go down to these countries. There, there is an incredible thirst for something new like Bitcoin. And once one of these countries really picks up on it, and there is mass adoption in these countries of Bitcoin, it's going to make a huge difference for the people of these countries. They're going to become wealthier. It's going to make a huge uh, difference for Bitcoin. But what I want to also point out is that a lot of people talk about theoretical things, how great Bitcoin is going to be for Africa. It's a long way off now. It's a long way off. We we just can't talk the talk. We have to physically get on the ground in these countries and talk the talk to the people. Um, because th theoretically, if we keep talking theoretically, Bitcoin is the next great frontier for Africa. Uh, Africa is the next great frontier for Bitcoin. It's just going to be remain in theory forever. We, we've got to get there. I intend to return to Africa. There are people who want me to do a Bitcoin conference in Mozambique. I, I'd love to do that and make it totally different outside the box type of Bitcoin conference where we get real people to with that need Bitcoin together with Westerners who can bring them Bitcoin and can employ them with Bitcoin, all, all sorts of things in my head, all sorts of opportunities that are there. But again, we have to go there to actually, you know, realize these opportunities. Hmm. Wow. And, and it, it really is incredible that, you know, in areas where they really are dealing with crisis you know, situations where they can't get their money, they can't move their money around the world. I mean, that's really where Bitcoin, you know, shows its true value, the ability oh, yeah. and, to and transfer. The, the other thing I, I, the, the thing I wanted to point out, I'm sorry to interrupt you, when I was in Mozambique, uh, there a major bank had closed recently and mm. took everyone's money. Wow. These things are commonplace in these countries. These, they don't, but they can only keep their money in banks. So if they had a new option, to where to store their value, they wouldn't have to worry about these second biggest banks in their countries just suddenly shutting down and taking all their money. Hmm. Adam, last question, and that is uh, Bitcoin is money. And, and this is something I think about, and I've heard a lot of people say this too, and it's too volatile. How do you keep your savings, money that you say want to use in six months, tied up in Bitcoin, with it moving, you know, 10%, uh, 20% in a very short period of time when, you know, you have some relative stability in fiat currencies, specifically the U.S. dollar. I know that's a controversial statement, but, you know, the, the reality is when it comes to Bitcoin, it moves a lot and very quickly. What, what would you say it would become money? When is it going to become more stable where it actually acts like a store of value in the sense it's not volatile. Yes, it, it, as a traditional store of value without this crazy volatility, when is that going to happen? Because right now, uh, the volatility, I foresee the volatility continuing into the foreseeable future. 
uh, at least this year, next year. I mean, possibly, I would hope by 2019 or 2020 it calms down, but it, it still could be very volatile. So I would not advise someone to to store their value for a, a six month period. It, it, again, I'm a buy and hold guy. That's not buy and hold. Um, that's that's uh, store for six for six months and then sell at the end and hope you made some that your value was maintained. That's a risk. There's too much volatility for that right now. So I, I don't advise doing something like that, a six month thing. You gotta, you gotta think long term. But I, I, and so I agree in the traditional sense of money as a store of short term value, it's not there yet. The volatility will continue. So that is why you must think long term with this. Because if you do pay $1,000 for it tomorrow. In six months, it could be $800 again. It, it, it very much could. But I strongly believe, I strongly believe it will be worth more in 2020 than on July 1st, 2020, the day of that Bitcoin having than it is today. So there, there's my honest answer. <laughs> and great closing thoughts right there. Adam Meister, everyone. Adam, if people want to learn more about you and, you know, reach out to you and, you know, go to your website, tell them a little bit about what they can expect to find. Well, again, if you go to disruptmeister.com or just Google Adam Meister on YouTube, you're going to find my Bitcoin Meister YouTube channel. That's a, that's another name of mine, Adam the Bitcoin Meister Meister. And I post a new Bitcoin video or a new cryptocurrency video every day at least one and it's a unique take on the price on the future on the companies involved in bitcoin it's it's highly energetic like i am right now and you can ask me questions and that's that's where you can find me and you can also email me at adam at trezorhelp.com if you if you have any questions about a bitcoin trezor or just any cryptocurrency type of questions i'm I, I love to interact with people through social media and email. Mm. Well, Adam, hey, thanks so much for coming on the show with me today. It was a pleasure speaking with you. I really do appreciate it. Kenneth, thanks you for having me on. It was great. This is Trace Mayer, and you're listening to Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister. Anyways, this is a public service announcement about the annual celebration of Proof of Keys. That's where the entire community withdraws all their Bitcoins to addresses where they hold the private keys and run a full node. So visit ProofofKeys.com to learn more about why and how you should participate. And please make a small change to your Twitter handle to show your support. Thanks.